This is the Venom Quest Podcast. I will be looking at the week's news and issues in the world of gaming. This is a show for the players, the gamers and the fans. So I'm glad you can join me in this PlayStation conversation. Let's get down to business. A very big story in the world of gaming. Sony Computer Entertainment and Sony Network Entertainment are being closed and they are going to be combined and merged to form a new company, Sony Interactive Entertainment. The idea is that it will form a larger unified PlayStation company. So let's look at this a little bit closer. Ski is Sony Computer Entertainment. Now what they do is they work on PlayStation hardware, the actual PlayStation console design. They also work on Sony uh, PlayStation software, So they're the company that is in charge of all the Sony development houses. And Sony Network Entertainment, they're the company that deal with the network services. PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Music, PlayStation Now. Now, up until now, they have worked as two separate divisions. But it seems that Kaz Hirai and Andrew Howes have decided that going forward, the best thing for PlayStation is to form one big company put in all these different areas that go to building the PlayStation brand and giving users a PlayStation service, putting them all under one giant roof. Now, the reason for this is clear. Sony's hardware in their other divisions, such as their TV, their cameras, their TV divisions, they're not making as much profit as they used to. However, the PlayStation platform this generation is doing far better than they would have hoped. It is generating more revenue and more profit. And so what this shows is that because of this, they have decided to focus on developing this area and it's their key, one of their key businesses. So they've put them all together, or they're going to, and they're going to make one big PlayStation company called SIE, Sony Interactive Entertainment. It would, you would think that they would have called it PlayStation. However, it's been called Sony Interactive Entertainment. Whatever, that makes sense still. PlayStation has been a big part in Sony's return to profit. So they've released the statement. This is by Jim Ryan. We are announcing the formation of a new company called Sony Interactive Entertainment that will serve as the headquarters for everything PlayStation The new company, headquartered out of the United States in San Mateo, California, joins the forces of both Sony Computer Entertainment and Sony Network Entertainment, combining the strengths and talents of both companies. The formation of SIE will create an even stronger PlayStation. This means an even bigger emphasis on developing pioneering platforms like PS4 and PlayStation VR, world-class games, from our worldwide studios development teams and innovative network services such as PlayStation View. It also means a renewed commitment to making PlayStation the best place to play. So, quite clear. They've got this new building, this massive amount of space in San Mateo. They've put a lot of their hardware and software development teams there. I mean, considering Sony is a Japanese company, It might seem at first that this is a very strange move to to basically centralize the PlayStation division in the USA. But when you think about it, it is the USA and Europe which is driving the product line, the software line, and the revenue. 
So it makes sense to focus PlayStation out of the USA. I mean, you're still going to get the Japanese development companies, their, their software development companies, they're still going to be there. The producers of Gran Turismo, they're all still going to be doing their stuff. But it sounds like it's a very, very sensible move. And it shows that Sony, they're looking towards the future. They recognize the importance of PlayStation. It's not a side business for them. It's not a part-time business. This is a key fundamental part of their business. So the changeover will happen on the 1st of April 2016, almost two months from now. It should hopefully mean better cohesion through the different divisions, better communication, maybe a faster turnaround on developing their products, and it's also intended to drive their business forward. So they are unifying their technology, their development, their software, their network services. So it should be a very good move for them. So we'll have to see what happens with this one. Okay, some more news. Titanfall 2 will have a single player campaign and it will be coming to all major platforms. This is according to lead writer Jesse Stern, who spoke to Forbes.com. Now, as you may remember, the first game, it was an Xbox and PC exclusive. And it was, you know, celebrated by Microsoft as this, this big, beautiful game that was going to be a game changer for their business. Because at that point, the Xbox was not, the Xbox One was not selling well at all. And I believe when it came out in March at that time, March 2014, the Kinect was still bundled with the Xbox One. So you had people like Aaron Greenberg and Phil Spencer trumpeting this game, Titanfall, as the game that was going to be the big game changer for them. Now, as it happened when it came out, the multiplayer campaign, it was praised. It was meant to be very solid and there was meant to be some innovative moves with the mech jumping and everything. However, it was criticized for not having a single player campaign. Now, whilst the dedicated fans, they praised it and everything, what soon happened was there was a big drop-off from the Xbox One gamers who were playing it regularly. A couple months later, the gamers who were playing Titanfall had just dropped. And a big part of that was the lack of a single-player campaign. So, the sales were underwhelming. Of course they were going to be because it was only released on the Xbox, and X Xbox 360 and Xbox One. So things had to change. It, would, it was foolish for them, for Respawn, the developers, to ignore the massive market of PlayStation. There was already a story a little while ago to say that Titanfall 2 would be coming to other platforms. However, this is a confirmation. Let me give you a quote of what Jesse Stern says. He says, Titanfall 2 will portray a world in which science meets magic, but a world which will still be grounded, dirty, human and real. So there's going to be the, the fantastical elements of it, but also it's still going to have a gritty feel. And he also says that it will have a dedicated single player campaign. Now I think this is going to be the key to it because, you know, you've got all these stats which um, publishers, developers of multiplayer games, they do a lot of research into this. So for example, Activision, they know the percentage of their users who play the single player campaign for Call of Duty and how many play most on the multiplayer campaign. And it seems that a lot of people, they just prefer the multiplayer campaign. But what the single player campaign does is it introduces 
people into the game world and it sort of takes them by the hand, shows them the world so they feel comfortable in it so that they then will want to experience the, the multiplayer world and play that. I mean, I don't know if you played Star Wars Battlefront. Now, I played a little bit of it on PS4. And it is a beautiful looking game, really. The graphics, they've got an almost realistic look to them. The animations, everything. And it's great to be in the world of Star Wars. However, the weak part, the worst part, is the fact that there is no single player campaign. It feels, to me, like a big chunk of the game is missing. And I do feel it's suffered because of that. So Titanfall 2 getting a single player campaign and being released to the biggest games console market of the present time, which is the PlayStation 4, makes perfect sense for the developers respawn, perfect sense for EA, the publishers, because they all want to have as big an audience as possible. And by bringing it to PlayStation, they can do that. Yakuza Kiwami PS4 leads the Japanese sales chart. Now these figures are from January the 18th to the 24th, released by Media Create. I think there's a little bit of a delay before they come out to the public. Now Yakuza Kiwami, as you may know, is a remake or a HD remake with some extra bits of the original Yakuza 1 and Yakuza 2. Now it sold 100,647 copies for the PS4 version. And this is number one in Japan. The PS3 version is number two. So it shows that there is a big demand for this franchise. Just Cause 3 PS4 is number four. Resident Evil Origins PS4 is number five. And as you may know, Japan has actually been quite slow to warming up to the PS4. When it was first released, it was released in the USA and Europe before Japan which is kind of crazy when you consider that Sony is a Japanese company. And Japan, or the Japanese public, they tend to have a preference for handheld consoles, which we can have a look at in a minute. But, um, you know, the 3DS does well there, the Vita does well there. So these sales figures, it shows that, yes, more people now are buying PlayStation 4s in Japan. And that's a good thing. Now, Yakuza is a franchise that I've been wanting to play for ages. It was originally, the first game originally came out on PS2. And I know there was a remake for PS3, but for some reason, Sega, they just did not release a Western version with Western voice acting or subtitles. Now, I would have imported um, Yakuza Kiwami. I would have just imported it straight away. I would have gone to Play Asia and imported it. But again, with this new version, there are no subtitles and there is no voice acting which I find astounding. They want to launch this franchise in the West and make it take off. And considering there are similarities with Shenmue, for all the people who love Shenmue, they could love Yakuza, you would think Sega would do this. However, they haven't done it as yet. I would think the cheapest thing that they could do would be to, as in, it would be cheap cost, they could add subtitles to the game and release it worldwide as a digital download only. This success in Japan, it possibly, possibly means that they will bring it to the West and give it a full Western release. Whether it's just subtitles or also voice acting, I don't care. I mean, I'd actually prefer just subtitles and the original voice acting. But as long as they bring it to the West, I will be on it in an instant.
And the signs are that they might well be doing this because they are releasing, you know, Yakuza 6 and so on. So fingers crossed. But um, yeah, I did mention the hardware sales about how Japan, they have a preference for handhelds. If we have a look at the hardware sales for the same week, at number one is PS4 with just under 25,000, 24,825. And the new Nintendo 3DS LL, the large version, has got 24,000 sales. At number three is PS Vita with 15,000 sales. So there is this demand for handheld consoles over there. But let me give you another interesting figure. At number eight is the PS Vita TV or the PSTV. It sold 366 units. But at number 10 is the Xbox One selling a measly 115 units. So it just goes to show that Japan, they have not taken to Xbox One at all. The PSTV, which is regarded as a bit of a sales dud in the West, even that is outselling it by more than three times. The Xbox One, it's outselling it more than three times. But it's a different market, very different. But just interesting to look at. Comic and cartoon fans will be happy. There is going to be a new TMNT game. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan. The game's been developed by Platinum Games. It's been published by Activision. If you've seen the trailer for it or the, some of the screenshots, it actually looks fantastic. It looks like a moving comic, uh, a highly detailed comic. It's third person action game. It's got a cell shaded art design and the story is by respected TMNT writer, Tom Waltz. Now it's, it's coming to multiple platforms, PS4, PS3, 360, Expo, PC, via Steam. And this is what Activision say about it. Players will protect the Big Apple from aliens, mutants, and the Foot Clan in a single player campaign or partner up with up to three friends in four player online co-op. But be prepared, defeating Bebop, Rocksteady, Shredder, and other iconic bosses won't be easy. Platinum Games' flair for stylish visuals and fluid combat are on full display in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan. So, you know, some of the old TMNT games, they haven't exactly been brilliant. Um, I mean, I actually remember a very old TMNT arcade machine playing with friends at a local hamburger place, Bobby's. That was a lot of fun, but that was also a long time ago. More recent games haven't been quite so good. So, no such thing as a sure thing, but Platinum Games, they know how to do action. The graphics, graphics look amazing. This has the potential to be a lot of fun. That's all you can ask for with a game like this. So, I'm looking out for this one. The Witness. Developer Jonathan Blow says it's been pirated a lot. As you may know, The Witness, it was first previewed at the PlayStation 4 reveal event. And um, there has been a lot of hype about it and it's finally here. I don't know if you've got it. I've got it. I've played it a little bit. And um, yeah, <laughs> well, that's a different subject. I'll go into that perhaps another time, what your thoughts are on the game. It's a game, well, it's a game that's received um, a ton of glowing reviews, all these 10 out of 10s, 9 out of 10 from all the major companies, the major newspapers, all the media and... I don't know if you've played it and if you've, you, if you've had the same reaction. Um, I've bought it, I've played it 
and I'm finding it quite hard to be honest. I haven't been wanting to use any of the help guides, but I've got to admit, I am astounded by all these tens. I don't know if it's a case of the Emperor's new clothes. I don't mean to belittle the game, but people talking about it like it's a, a life-changing experience. I've seen this before. The newspapers, the press, they get excited about this. And really, it feels like, it feels like one of these things again. And really, I'm sure the full game, when you've completed it, is a great experience. But I've seen all this before, all the hype, all the hyperbole, all the newspapers jumping over themselves to praise a game and celebrate it as the second coming. And we've been here before. The reality is no game is like that. No game is this magical spiritual experience. Not in the way that they are talking. I don't mean to downplay on the successes of this game. So The Witness has been released. It was released on PS4 and PC. Now, PS4, it has done fantastically well, apparently, and on PC. However, Jonathan Blow, for whatever reason, has decided to release it with no DRM, no game protection. It has become a much pirated game on torrent sites. And because of this, Jonathan Blow, he's actually posted a comment about it. This is what he says. It seems The Witness is the number one game on a certain popular torrent site. Unfortunately, this will not help us afford to make another game. And then there's a sad smiley. Now, the reality is, his success, I think he's going to be, he's going to make a ton of money. I mean, there was another quote where I believe in his first week, in the first week of Witness sales, he has made more money than Braid made in its first year. So that's a very good thing. It should mean he will recoup his investment and he will make a profit and he will be able to make another game. However, it raises a very serious question. With The Witness, would it have been better if he had delayed the PC release? Now, the reason I say this is, okay, of course, PC gamers, they will not want a game to be delayed. They want to get it as soon as possible. But with The Witness, there was a lot of hype, a lot of anticipation. Now, let's say the game was first released on PS4 only. All those people who really wanted the game they would have gone out and played it on PS4. They would have paid for it and he would have got his money from PS4 because it's not currently pirated on PS4. By releasing it on PC at the same time, all those people who were desperate to play the game but not so sure they wanted to pay for it, they will have avoided the PS4 version and just bought or downloaded illegally the PC version. And thinking about it, I actually believe it would have made sense for him to perhaps wait one month and then release it on PC. And a lot of the sales which he lost to Torrents, I think he would have made from PS4. Okay, this is, you know, subjective, speculative, but it seems to make sense. It's like when the GTA 5, it was released on PS4 and Xbox. The PC release was delayed. Okay, supposedly it was because of technical reasons, Anybody who wanted to play it in 1080p but didn't want to pay the, the PlayStation 4 Xbox One asking price, they might have been able to um, illegally download it from the torrent sites. So, I think it's a warning, and it should be a warning to other smaller developers, that either, I know DRM is unpopular, but if you release your game without DRM, it's going to be pirated. And if you do want to release it without DRM, at least wake at least wait until you've released it on the console platforms so that you maximize the possible revenue you can get from them. Just my opinion. 
Now, in the first podcast, I talked a little bit about Mark Cerny and Hideo Kojima and their world tour. Mark Cerny, as you know, is a very famous software developer and also the architect, the father of the PlayStation 4. Hideo Kojima, he is the maestro, the father of Metal Gear Solid. And Hideo Kojima's company, he has partnered with Sony for his first game. Now, they've taken a plane and they've been visiting Sony Studios um, in the USA. And now they've taken their trip to Europe and um, it has ended, but they have been to a few more of the Sony Studios. So they went to Amsterdam to see Guerrilla Games, the developers behind Killzone and the upcoming Horizon Zero Dawn. They also came to London and visited the Sony London studio. They played with the VR technology and there's some um, good uh, pictures on Kojima's Twitter feed of him trying on PlayStation VR. There has been some speculation, what does that mean his first game is going to be a VR game? Personally, I don't think it would be a solely VR game. Maybe he might make a game that's VR compatible, but um, it shows that he's looking at all this new technology. Oh, and in London, they also met Ski Boss, Sony Computer European Entertainment Boss Jim Ryan. Ski, of course, as we said, will be consumed in the new Sony company. And then they went to Guildford. And in Guildford, is, that's the home of Media Molecule, the, the team behind Little Big Planet and Dreams. Now, although they didn't post any pictures, Guildford is also the home of Halo Games. Now, Halo Games is not a Sony-owned company, but they have partnered with Sony for their game No Man's Sky. So I do wonder if there was any sort of visit there, because it would have been just down the road from Media Molecule. Guildford is a small place. And then they ended their trip in Paris, where they visited Quantic Dream, the creators of Heavy Rain. So I think it was a very good trip for both Mark Cerny and Hideo Kojima. They got to meet all the studio heads, see what was going on, try the technologies. This is definitely a useful for Kojima. I mean, he, he posted a quote on his Twitter feed. He said, I got fans supporting me, friends who share my dream all over in this world. So it's not starting from scratch. I continue creating the cutting edge game that I've always been doing for 30 years, as always done. So it sounds like he's very motivated, very happy. But what's more interesting is Mark Cerny, as I said, the man who designed the PlayStation 4, he's looking at all these elements and I'm just wondering what's going through his mind, what he's considering, what he is thinking about will be the future of gaming for the next generation and a generation after that. Because he's not there just for a holiday, for a vacation, he's there for a reason, he's doing his own research. Definitely, um, the information is going into his brain, into his, his research notes for the PlayStation 5. I mean, we don't know that he's working on the PlayStation 5. But considering his success with the PS4, it seems, you know, a dead cert. That's what he's going to be doing. We won't see the fruit of their visit for a long time. But I definitely think it will influence them both in a very good way. And it will influence the games or the console or the hardware that they are working on. Apple is apparently working on a VR product. Okay, so this year is the year of VR when three major products launch. You've got PlayStation VR, you've got Oculus, the Oculus Rift, and you've also got the HTC Vive VR. So you've got these three major platforms 
And there is, of course, a lot of debate. Is VR going to be a, a failure? Is it just a gimmick? Is it just a passing fad like 3D was? Personally, <laughs> I've tried them all. No way. I mean, it might not, it might not be the case that they become a, a major mass market product this generation, but they are going to deliver these fantastic experiences and they will improve and I think they will form a major part of the future of gaming. So, Microsoft's Phil Spencer, he's previously poo-pooed on VR. He's been against it. He said it's not a now-now product. After being left out of the conversation, he has partnered with Oculus. The Xbox Elite controller is sold with is given away with every Oculus. But up until now, I mean, Microsoft will definitely jump on the bandwagon at some point. We might see something at E3, but until then, it's crazy that this big major tech company, Microsoft, have been out of the conversation. They have not participated. So Apple, this big major company, the biggest company, recently Apple had a company earnings call, and during the call. An earnings call is where the company talk about their perceived, their predicted profits over the next coming quarter or the next year. And they have certain media ask them questions, whether it be over the telephone or video call or in person sitting around the table. Now, analyst Gene Munster, he asked Tim Cook, who's the boss of Apple now, if he saw VR as a niche product. And Tim Cook, he, he replied, I don't think it's a niche. I think it's really cool and has some interesting applications. So, what can we draw from this? Two things. One, Tim Cook is saying it's not a niche. That means there's potential for being bigger than a, a specialized market. And if there's a potential for being bigger than that, then Apple could definitely be interested. And if he's talking about some interesting applications, then that means he has been thinking about how Apple can you know, deliver a product and how they could deliver a product that's useful for their customers. Now, Financial Times, a UK business paper, they have published a report that say Apple has a secret research unit with hundreds of staff. I mean, I'd never heard that before the quote, but um, no doubt Apple do have some staff working on a product or at least researching it. And also, Apple have acquired VR-related technology firms, FaceShift, Emotion, Mateo, and Flyby Media. Apple doesn't normally pick up these technology firms for no good reason. It normally means that they have a bit of software or technology which they could use in the future or as part of um, simulation into a product that they are making. So there is definitely something in this. The question is what? what? What could Apple possibly be making? Samsung have released a VR product for their phones and it's not really a full VR product. The question is, what are Apple doing? Are they looking to release, turn an iPhone into a VR lens? So the way that would work is you have a special helmet which you would place your iPhone in and then use that. Or are Apple actually developing a full head-mounted display with its own lenses? its own technology built in. And if that is the case, what would you connect it to? Would it be to a PC? Would it be to a Mac? Would it be to an iPhone or iPad? And what sort of products? Would it be entertainment? Or would it be the future of FaceTime? So you put it on and then you potentially see an avatar of your friend. All sorts of ideas. I mean, at this stage, it's, it's all too early to actually know what's going on, but you can speculate. We can speculate about it. 
The good thing to know is that this major company, Apple, they also believe in VR. And it is a significant sign that VR is going to be more than just a fad. It is going to be a major product, a major business for entertainment computing. So VR is going to be this major business. But what we also know is, of course, PSVR, PlayStation VR is going to be released this year. It's a ready product. We're just waiting for Sony to give the release date and the product line, the product lineup for launch. So Sony are in a very good place with VR to be there at the beginning with a major product. All right, that's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Press subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. And do share this podcast with your friends. Come back next time for more PlayStation conversation. Cheers.